unhappiest in the saddle. <laughs> a fellow sportsman. I am an FBI agent. Great Scott. What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Come with me if you want to live. Hello. And welcome to Retro Ramble. I'm Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And this time we're traveling back to... We're stuck in 1995, it would seem, because we're going to be reviewing the video game conversion that is Mortal Kombat. Dun, 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 Release dun, techno. Dun. Release smoke. A lot of dried ice in this film. So, yeah, George and I go back, we review the films of our youth, and we were very youthful, both of us, when we both played the game and then went and watched the soulless cash grab that is the film. But it's a good film. Soulless is up because your soul is mine. (laughs) You are next. So there will be bad impressions. If you've not listened to one of these podcasts before, um, you don't know what to expect. So here's a quick word from George on all of the amazing 90s nostalgic throwbacks that we will be revisiting in this episode. Yeah, so I think it's safe to say this is, uh, we're, we're film lovers, we're game lovers, and we're not film for professionals, so this is an affectionate look back at the films of our youth. Looking back and seeing do they still hold up, uh, what made them so good, what made them so appealing in the first place. Yeah, I think... We this- had to cover Mortal Kombat, and what better time to do it when, what's the tie-in? It's Sonic, right? Yes, so we... we, we At the time of recording. We like to make it topical, so yes, uh, the latest video game adaptation, Sonic, or I think it's Sonic, or Sonic the Hedgehog, is just about to come out into cinema, so we thought, let's go back and look at one of the, the our, well, the better video game adaptations, and probably one of our most beloved video game films. Yeah, so it's, there is there is a lot of relevance, uh, there's a lot of act that pop up in this it was 995 we've just come from bad boys this was a this was a zeitgeist film of the time it was a massive deal the the video game brought us this film the soundtrack was a massive deal yeah techno was a massive deal dry ice were a bit was still a big deal chris lambert robin shoe's amazing hair yeah. so yeah there's a lot to get through in this episode there there will be uh, some some really bad impressions there's probably some, uh, might be a little bit of bad language who knows yeah it's just i think it's just worth pointing out that whereas you know a lot of our nostalgic lookbacks it's more about the cinema there is obviously a lot of cinema there's a lot of uh, production chat but this is, a, this is a film that was inspired by a video game, so there's a lot of overlap. There's yes, a lot we, of crossover. We, we do talk a lot about the, the Mortal Kombat franchise as a whole. Yeah, so if you despise video games, but for some reason you're obsessed with this film, I don't know how that could happen. Maybe you're just into Liu Kang's bangs. But yeah, there's going to be a lot of crossover in this episode. So uh, it's Mortal Kombat, it's techno. If you haven't heard the theme music for a while, Get, you're gonna get listen. You're to gonna lot. hear it a yeah. lot. So, George, without any further ado, let's get let's get cracking. Right, let's go to. It the... has begun. <laughs> Here it is, Mortal Kombat. Enjoy. In each of us, there burns the fury of a warrior. Every generation, a few are chosen to prove it. One of you three will decide the outcome of the tournament. Three strangers will travel to the mystical realm of Outworld to defend our people against Shang Tsung. You will die. 
and his forces of darkness. In an ancient tournament, one more victory. Your soul is mine. And our world no! is theirs. It has begun. So, George, 1995 Mortal Kombat. How did we get this gay... I mean, sorry, how did we get this movie? So, we, we were obviously talking about the film came out in 1995, but I think we need to go back earlier. Is it 92? In 93, I believe so, is when the uh, the arcade game uh, was for first... Mortal Kombat 1 came out. Can you out. remember the arcade game? Uh, I, I have vague... I mean, maybe it's... Um, I remember discovering it after. I think I played it on the... No, we must have discovered it as an arcade. For for me, I think the game and the console go hand in hand in terms of my merged memories. I mean, obviously, yes, I vaguely remember us having... Maybe I think we had both of them on Mega Drive. It was all about the second one. It was all about the second one. We were allowed. We weren't, so I remember all of the controversy surrounding the release of the first game, and it was very much the Forbidden Fruit uh, I was at a I was at a birthday party of a mate. We were 12, 13, and he had it, and he played it, and it was like, oh, can't believe your parents have got that for you. My parents wouldn't allow me because of all the gratuitous You can impale violence. people. Yeah. And you can rip people's heads off. Yeah, you can rip their spines out. What 12-year-old boy doesn't want to rip somebody else's exactly. spine out, especially today in 2020? So, yeah, no, I mean, this was very much the forbidden fruit. We weren't allowed to play it, and we weren't supposed to, and... Can you ask for better marketing than that? Well, exactly. It was a huge phenomenon, and I think that was the main difference between the war of Pro Evo versus FIFA. It was the the, the war was you know Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat, and Street Fighter was probably the more technically brilliant game in terms of to master but Mortal Kombat had the the cutting edge video graphics and more importantly the violence oh the brutality I mean sorry that's a term used yeah. but yeah it was the gore it was the violence yeah. it was the it was the, the the things we were only just beginning to understand existed outside of the fluffiness of Street Fighter but I remember yes yeah, so I remember us playing it on on Mega Drive and I think on the I'm right in thinking the the Super Nintendo version had the blood removed yeah, that does sound mm. familiar. As I say, I'm not getting a lot in terms of my memories. I'm not getting a lot of Mortal Kombat. We did have it. Yeah. But I just, I get the feeling that we played it a bit, but I think we got it late. Yeah, I, I definitely remember reason, playing Mortal Kombat 2 more because that had more characters, didn't it? That had all the characters and had, is it Shao Kahn, the guy who yep. who runs the show? And so you had loads more characters. And I just remember us hammering away on that a lot more. And you had Kung Lao and you had all these other characters brought in. I do remember the, the first one, but I think it was the fact that by the time we got Mortal Kombat, they were already talking about the sequel. That's how that's how much we, we were not allowed to play it. Well, I think, yeah, it moved very quickly because the, um, I say the original arcade came out in 93 and basically there was this producer a uh, guy called Larry Kasanoff he um, had some mates that were working at Midway Games who developed the, the first arcade and Kasanoff had actually worked with James Cameron uh, to develop do you remember another arcade game the Terminator 2 shoot him up you know the, what, with the with the big gun yeah with the massive gun that was great so obviously that had been a huge you know marketing phenomenon yeah and Midway made that and Midway made that so he was over there just catching up with some mates and they were like oh do you want to play on our new game and so he started playing Mortal Kombat and he played for like half an hour and he was just completely won over he was like 
this is amazing and i think in, it was the realism wasn't yeah, it and i think in his his he described it as like this is star wars meets enter the dragon it's not just an arcade game this could be a whole phenomenon it's a state of mind tv series stage shows magazines albums books you sound tiny like tunes. edward carver and tomorrow never dies tiny tunes i books. want all the things that are big in the 90s <laughs> apart e- from the internet which doesn't exist yet ebooks mini discs <laughs> So yes, he he saw the the potential, and they all just sort of uh, laughed him like, yeah, whatever, you know, sort of, it's never going to happen. But he managed to convince, and obviously the the game became a huge phenomenon as we talked about. Um, so that was originally everyone had it, everyone wanted to play it or was playing it. Gamespot do a great video uh, recounting how the arcade came to be, how the origins of it came to be, and that's on YouTube. Check it out. And they talk about how it originally started as a, a Van Dam project. They wanted to make a game based around our favorite splits taker jcvd uh, like a kung fu game or you know martial arts game and he said no i'm not really that interested and it didn't work out and they were like okay well we still want to make a wasn't martial the only game that tried and failed to yes. get jcvd to endorse it well yeah that was full contact lifted like the entire scenes out of was kick- it full contact yeah the, 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 is the, it kickboxer the, or blood sport but the whole bit the silhouette the silhouette of him doing yeah. all of his um of all of his positions and movements I think um, they lift that scene for scene. I think it was called Full Contact because I loved it. It was like, JCVD, JCVD. more JCVD. So yeah, they, they still stuck with the, the sort of the whole martial arts tournament, but they took in more of a, obviously influences from Enter the Dragon and stuff like that. We'll, we'll get on to that. But yeah, back to Kasanov. He managed to, took it to New Line Studios and they greenlit the film. Uh, so New Line is basically Warner Brothers. New Line is now a division of Warner Brothers. So New Line famous. It wasn't back then. No, I, I, maybe it's part of the Time Warner, but it might. I think they've been bought out by. I get confused with Time Warner and Warner Brothers. So do they. But New, but New Line did mainly did sort of sort of middle lower budget films. They did a lot of horror stuff. That that's where they started. So they did like stuff like Elm Street. But they also famously, probably the biggest thing they made was um, Lord of the Rings. But now I think, yeah, they've been absorbed into, New Line has been absorbed into Warner Brothers. Um, But Green Line, sorry, Green Line, New Line greenlit the film, but they didn't have high hopes. So much so the the studio head said, I hate the script. I hate this movie. And he carried on like yelling at the the producers and stuff. And he's like, go ahead and make it. Wow, this was uh, the 90s. But I think that was it because obviously... You got a movie, you got a script, I hate it, but make it. But again, it was, it, I suppose it was a, a bit of a dicey project because in terms of video game adaptations, you'd had Super Mario Brothers, which I'm, I'm going to take a stab in the dark here. You and I have never seen because... It's we were to be, told it at was, the time it, that it was and, terrible. And... To be fair, we were no, we weren't Nintendo gamers. I get it. Loads of people love Mario. Loads of people do. Mm. We, uh, we we were mega. We were you know Sega kids. I think we're more on the realism side. Some people, I think, what you've got to hand to Nintendo, and they're still doing it today in 2020, is that they they are the kings of playability. Yeah, you know, and and platforms. But I think we wanted more, mm. or we wanted something more closely linked with realism or film. Um, so yeah, you had that, which was a huge flop. Um, and then again, there was that race to who's going to get to the, the... Did Street Fighter come out before? So Street Fighter was 1994. 
Okay. So Street Fighter came out the year before, and ironically enough, and again, you and I have chatted about this off mic, again, it was that race to get Van Damme, because Van Damme was still, you know, a hot property around then in terms of he was still one of the most famous martial artists. Okay, who can get him for what film? Obviously, he was a perfect fit for Johnny Cage because the character was inspired by it. Mm -hmm. But then they brilliantly cast that Belgian man as the very American Guile from Street Fighter. Yeah, and if you want to see how good or bad a job he did of it, just look at some of his dialogue. I mean, we love JCVD, but... Oh, Street Fighter. Street Fighter is an awful film. Kylie's but, in it. Um, even it's, it's a very much a so bad it's good, and I'm sure somewhere down the line... This we is will, one of those films we should do when we've had a few drinks. Yeah, we will probably tackle it at some point just because... Maybe it, we it, could do a commentary where we just watch it and we just talk over it. Oof. I think we will try and tackle that beast at some point. But for... Yeah, so... Getting um, back to the film. So, yeah, they they had the green light and then it was in terms of finding a director. They, Kasanoff had managed to come across this young and up-and-coming director who hailed from this small industrial town in northeast England called Newcastle. Have you heard of it? Pontine Lake. <laughs> Newcastle Pontine. Well, of course. So, yeah, so Paul Anderson, as he was known then, but um, he's now known as Paul W.S. Anderson to, to uh, save confusion with Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, it's from the Northeast. And so he had a film, that, like an indie film, uh, I think starring Sean Bean, that was a bit of a hit called Shopping. And that kind of put him sort of on the map. And interestingly, he was at the time, well, the the version of what we call a gamer. So he was coming down from Newcastle for all these meetings with various studios in London. But between meetings, to kill time, he would go and play in the arcades. Right. And he loved playing on Mortal Kombat. So when his name came up, he was one of the few directors that didn't see it as, oh, Christ, another video game, you know, yeah, adaptation. Yeah, he was like, I need to do this. Yeah, he's like, I want to do this. And as a result, he basically bluffed his way into getting the job. So he went and read up, did loads of research on like CGI, map paintings and, and all this stuff like that, just so he knew he could speak the lingo when he was going, you know, having all his sort of follow-up meetings to get the job because he was so keen to do it. So, yeah, that was uh, sort of getting him on board. And in terms of he was very much, because he was like a new director, still finding his style, he did a lot of uh, ad-libbing with the actors as they were in pre-production. So working with them, and that's where a lot of the humour came in because I think the original script didn't have that level of humour that actually came from from the actors. Yeah, and I think from what I've heard of it, you, you understand that because we've got to give full credit to... Do you want to talk about some of the cast? Yeah, so I think that was the... Uh, You've got to give some credit to Robin Shu and what he brought from his uh, his, his work in Hong Kong films. Yeah, so uh, Robin Shu was um, yeah primarily... Gang. Lugang. Um, so Robin Shu was primarily background in Hong Kong. Um, worked with Jackie martial, Chan. Martial arts. Yeah, he had worked with but Jackie Chan. Not Jackie Chan. Um, he had he had amazing hair. He still does have amazing. We've hair. got a feature coming up about his hair. And apparently, he had to. He really had to audition. Like I think he had to audition seven times to get the role. But the thing was, they were mainly casting unknowns for for the lead parts. But they needed one sort of big name to tie it all together. And obviously later in the, the episode, I will talk about coulda, woulda, shoulda. And there are some interesting ones. But yeah, the main sort of star that they got, sort of that hook, that selling point, and in terms of recognizable to, to sci-fi and action audiences was Christophe Lambert. 
Yes, you know him. You've seen Fortress. Or maybe you've seen Highlander. Or Fortress 2. Or maybe one of the Highlander sequels. Highlander's amazing. I can't wait till we do that. So, Christophe Lambert playing the very Asian god character of Raiden. We talked about previously in our Big Trouble in Little China. I was going to say, what's China. the connection again? How we, why does he look like the guys out of Big uh, Trouble I, I, in I, Little I, China? I think it's essentially just uh, Asian mythology. Folklore. Folklore. Legend. And stuff like that. Um, so, yes, Raiden, the, the, the God of God of Lightning. Was he God of Thunder? That's Thor. That's Thor. Who Thor. would win in a fight between now? That's, that's what I want to see. Thor. Who would f- win in a fight between Christoph Lambert and Christoph Hem? Christoph Hemsworth. So, so yeah, that was the the main sort of bulk there. They tested it, and the test audiences loved what they saw. But there was one thing they wanted to see more of more fights yeah this is this film's going to be about fighting with with not fighting without fighting like Bruce more Lee's fighting just and, fighting and, with fighting I'm pretty sure this isn't in my notes but I'm pretty sure they asked for more techno as well um, so yeah you don't they, think that was added later uh, maybe 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 not it, that probably wasn't in the test screening but it is a banging track it is. Um, how many times are we going to drop it into this episode I wonder uh, at least 17 They managed to find more money down the back of the sofa and put in more fights. Um, So they extended the Johnny Cage versus Scorpion fight. And they also did the whole reptile versus Liu Kang fight. And as you were saying, going back to the guy who plays Liu Kang, Robin Shu, whilst they had a fight choreographer, a stunt coordinator, because... Paul Anderson had worked so closely with Robin Shu and because of Robin Shu's background, basically Paul Anderson gave Robin Shu carte blanche and was just like, I want you to choreograph these fights. And that's why those two fights are probably arguably the best in the film is because it hit of his background in terms of the wire work, all those Hong Kong tricks that would go on to be Yeah, used. this was the first Western film that had wire work in. Yes, so there's, um, I mean, there is a, uh, for, for completists, there is a, there's a brilliant article that we, we've got a lot of this trivia from that's from uh, the Hollywood Reporter so they I think it's for the 20th anniversary they get loads of people together and there's some great anecdotes about how this film came together but yeah it's it's actually quite interesting to find out that you could argue that it was yeah the first use of of wire food that we've so come to you know well uh, that the Matrix would go on to use uh, four years later yeah exactly but it, it I don't know it just Going back, should we talk? I mean, we were we were joking before about how we're going to cover this film. Should we just do fight scene to fight scene? But there's some great fights in this film. It still stands up today. Brilliant. I mean, for me, the highlights are yes, as we were just talking about Robin Shu when he's in action. I mean, the guy's ripped. Um, he has amazing hair. Uh, he has an amazing, amazing mullet. But apparently the guy who plays Lin... Can I keep talking about his hair or should oh, I no, move we'll, on? We'll, we'll, we'll come back to that later. But another uh, guy plays Johnny Cage, uh, Lyndon Ashby. I think he does a great called. job. He's perfect. And to go back to what we we're talking about, uh, JCVD, Jean-Claude Van Damme, 
I prefer this guy. I'm sorry, we love Jean-Claude Van Damme. We've covered his films, but can you imagine his delivery? I mean, this guy pulls it off. Ashby does a great job. He's like, I think I relate to him more now as an older man than than a 13-year-old boy. I just thought he was just coming out with cheesy one-liners when I was younger. But now it is kind of, you could see what Anderson was going for. This was looking through his eyes, you know, Sonia's on a mission. Lu Kang understands everything, knows all of the rules, knows what's going down. Johnny Cage, he's just, like just being dragged into it. He's like, what's going on? I just, but I just want to he's prove... He's the everyman, isn't no, he? No, no, but I like the... There's a little bit of Hollywood satire there that he's desperate to prove he's not a fake. Yeah. You know, he's got what it takes. He is a genuine fighter. And he, the signed photo is brilliant. Yeah. How he kicks ass. And I... Because I was thinking... I think this... To me, that scene uh, where... It's with Scorpion, isn't it? Where where yes. he, he nails him, and then his finishing move is to to leave a signed photo from Johnny Cage. That was actually a fatality that didn't actually feature until Mortal Kombat Two. So yes. it wasn't in the fi- the first one was very raw. Well, that's it? it. I think, they, and all they, the they, cool they, stuff came in the second version, they, they, the they, sequel. They take a lot of stuff from Mortal Kombat Two, so reptile. Um, as you say, a lot of the finishing moves. Even and- Nighthawk gets mentioned. He's not in the film, but he gets mentioned. Yeah, in the Jax film. as well. I yeah. think it didn't turn up till more. Obviously, they set Jax him up. Is the guy with the terrible ADR at the beginning. Yes, <laughs> Sonia. Sonia, but it's the way he's shouting after her. Sonia. Don't go, and he's like not trying to stop her at yeah. all. He's like, no, don't go, <laughs> no, babe, babe, don't go, babe. <laughs> yeah, in terms of, we obviously have to give a shout out to the, you know, establishing the film. Everyone's got their intro, so yeah, Johnny Cage has got his Hollywood. It's a good scene. It's a good scene, and uh, I don't know how true this is, but there's a, a that filming of the scene. The director is a Steven Spielberg lookalike. Yes, I got that, uh, and apparently Steven Spielberg. I, I don't believe this is true, but apparently he was a fan of the games and wanted to be, actually do that as a cameo, but scheduling didn't couldn't, make. Couldn't be there. So I want you to get, get me his Mexican equivalent, Spielberg. So have we talked about how impressed we are with this film? Because I think this, this the, we're talking about the first scenes and I was shocked because for some reason I seem to categorize this film like we were talking about before with for some reason Mario Bros and Street Fighter and this is not this is a good film this is and I think if you look anywhere you talk to anyone this is probably one of the best ever uh, video game to movie adaptations I mean it's dumbing it's slightly with faint praise but you know it's it's Yes. No, it's a good film, though. It's it, it looks tight, it's well-produced, and I think it all comes to a head in this scene with Johnny Cage because it's well shot. It looks good. Yes, no, and that's, you've got a very good point there. The choreography is is brilliant. I mean, The fight scenes are good, and, which is what you go to see this film for. And again, it's something that we've touched on in our last episode with, uh, with Bad Boys, saying that maybe because of his sort of new sort of up-and-coming director, Paul Anson, sort of, it feels like a bigger budget than it probably was. Oh, no, you get the feeling they did a lot of tricks. Uh, you were telling me about the use of... They discovered styrofoam. You can yeah. make anything out of this stuff. Well, that's it. I mean, there's... Um, I thought some of the set design is brilliant, like around Shang Tsung's palace. Um, yeah. It's like really good set design. And obviously, you've got some amazing location work in uh, films around Thailand. But some of the set design as well is is also terrible. Like there's... Um, All the, the underground stuff looks a bit... Rude. And they use there's a lot of dried ice to sort of try and cover that up. <gasps> can you ever... I think I've got that. I was like, 
like release smoke and it's like can you ever have too much smoke and when the boat arrives yeah that bit with the boat's like are we watching a theater production like a youth theater production well that's it there's there's bits on the boat where you can clearly see like it's a felt backdrop it's like that's really badly a studio yeah but yeah i say we didn't notice back then we didn't notice back then maybe it's just because watching it in in high definition or well dvd definition um we'll gloss over so uh sonia's introduction uh, in a typical 90s club with complete with rock music yeah and what is rock music rock music is bad techno if you hear a character if there's a character and there's techno music good or it's Mm. exciting rock music is bad Bad. evil um but i do like for the first half hour how everyone refers to their full names just to introduce everyone so it's not right mr shang song it's 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 important to know that george because i mean how else would we know how would we know how would we know who the characters are how would we know what's going on i mean it's not maybe we should have their names in a bar at the top of the screen I mean, it's not like every single line of dialogue in the first 20 minutes is exposition. Should we talk about expositional chat? Yes, yes. There's a lot of it. There's a lot. And mainly from our our man of the match, Kari Tagawa, Mr. Shang Tsung. Well, there's him and Raiden are vying for uh, exposition. Yes. Oh, Oh, the yes. warrior. Yes, uh, Christoph Lambert does some amazing... I think the everyone... tournament, everything. <laughs> there he is. Your world is but one of many realms. One of them is a forsaken land called Outworld, ruled by an immortal who has crowned himself emperor. Now he seeks a new world to conquer and enslave. Now, wait a second. If this guy is so powerful, then why doesn't he just invade us? To enter the realm of Earth, the Empress Demon Sorcerer Shang Tsung and his warriors have to win ten straight victories in mortal combat. <laughs> they have won nine. It's uh, no holds barred. There are no rules. The well, f- apart from the fate of the world. There's a lot of rules. And There's every- a lot of rules. Luke, nine, nine out of ten tournaments have been lost. Liu Kang kind of knows everything, and he's being a bit of a dick about it in he, the beginning, he, isn't he? He's, he's being, a bit of a dick. Well, as you say, I mean, you his know, character. I love Robin Shu, his performance, and what he brings to film. But his character is kind of roughly drawn. Well, because he's kind of scenes. he's kind of like known all the legends. Whereas, as you say, Sonya's on a on a mission. She's willing to get on a boat with a bunch of guys and a lot of dried ice. She's not faced. Johnny Cage is on a, on a mission to save his career. Yeah. So yeah, you know they're they're, they're all they're all on missions. But yeah, I, I can agree that uh, Liu Kang is a bit of a dick. Liu Kang. Are we going to get to a feature of Liu Kang's bangs? Liu- Let's talk about Liu Kang's hair because I just feel like it it it's just amazing. It warrants its own spinoff. I mean, this is nine ninety five. So uh-huh. this is the world of Vidal Sassoon, uh-huh. right? This was wash and go, but it was cream silk. There was like a lot of adverts on in between if you're watching this film on TV for hair products yep. because they didn't know who was watching it. They didn't have any data. They couldn't target the adverts. So we had to watch a lot of these and it's just, he has great hair. Well, uh, I mean, I would say bangs that some girls would, would, would kill, kill for. for yeah it is actually there's a lot of similarities between that and around the same time of uh, Jennifer Aniston she had that sort of similar sort of bangs I think he's got better bangs than Jennifer yeah, Aniston yeah I'd go with that um, but can I shock you he's still got amazing hair I was watching that him doesn't surprise in me a, at all. a bit of a reunion uh, again I'll, I'll, I'll put a link on the blog but uh, they got him and Lyndon Nashby who plays Johnny Cage uh, back together last year and he's still yeah uh, Robin Chu still has amazing hair and I think the next feature is 
is Sleazy Shang. What's this whole thing about Sonia? Sonia. It's not actually revealed. Did he have a plan apart from trying to have his wicked way with her? Because well, that's it's like, not like she's part must. of the prophecy or she needs to go on and be sacrificed. It's just basically he wants to tie her up and objectify her. Well, yeah, that's it. It's like he says to Kano that um, she must be humiliated. She Make sure she gets on the boat. Kano disagrees. Really low, low level exposition. The what? Nether Realm. What? No, so what's it? The subterranean armies. Like, what? Like underground. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, but yeah, we finally get some fighting. We get that sort of uh, display of. And I remember. I mean, again, we're sort of jumping back to first memories, but I remember seeing a clip on Games Master of you know when they introduced uh, Scorpion and Sub Zero on the boat. And you know the first. I remember sort of, that. Oh, yeah, I remember us watching that, and we knew that it was going to be in that episode of Games Master. Yeah, and it was that was it because obviously this guys, this was before pre-internet, before we could look up videos on YouTube. But this was how we got our. Hits. This was our community. Yeah. This was our. Uh, yeah, this is how we got like looked out for stuff. So I remember like being so, oh my god, you know, it's like deadliest of enemies, but slaves under my power. <laughs> um, I don't know. I remember how I describe my uh, in-laws. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we finally get some you know it finally gets to some fighting there's a lot of exposition there's a lot of a lot setup, of rules a lot of rules some terrible cgi um especially where it's panning up through sort of three, oh my god that three, tower the temple yeah um and reptile as uh, as you said even in 95 we knew it was terrible cgi oh yeah even in we were calling it up back then Should we talk quickly about Prince Goro? Wonderfully hammy. Like, he's like a pantomime bad guy. I am Goro, general of the armies of Outworld and prince of the subterranean realm of Shokan. Shang Tsung, uh, you oh, know, I'm loving the, yeah, I sort of the Jim Henson Muppet animatronics. You must have some inside track on what went into making him a reality. That was a lot of puppet work. I think 17 puppeteers were required and it all had to be filmed on soundstage. They they were like, he was so temperamental and I'm sure, you know, we've talked about this, you know, animatronic in the past, like with Jurassic Park and stuff. Um, Animatronics can be so unreliable and especially outside of a studio set and they were like yeah there's no way we're taking this to thailand we're doing it all now <laughs> you cannot be surrounded by water yeah. and i just love his voice and i think they do a good job is the fact they've got some dodgy cgi in this film but he looks good he still looks good today he looks because it's a puppet yeah there's a little bit of audio syncing that's a little bit out um but it's still as you say you know it's impressive to see and it's good to see yeah that proper sort of creature feature sort of type thing even if the the fights that he's in is obviously a bit limiting so but yeah because Got, all he got, seems to do is proclaim a lot. He shakes his arms in the air. I've won. I've well, him. I've won. Well, they do that brilliant thing of how do you make it sure look like uh, this guy's really awesome? It's just lots of a montage of guys falling on gravel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in different directions. But we haven't talked about the character whose name I forget, but I'm calling him Dead Meat Thompson, <laughs> which is the guy that they meet on the boat, the black guy that they befriend. <laughs> you mean Ensign, Ensign Rookie? Yeah, the guy 
guy the that, red like, shirt the star trek red the shirt the guy that johnny cage is is mates with i can't remember what he's called but hey. he but he's the guy that uh, goro fights and kills and it's just like why are we supposed to care for this guy when we didn't we don't really know who he is i, I that i know i noticed that because it's like there's some things everything is exposition no but what is it it's, it's the fact that no who's that guy who gets killed it's like we're really gonna miss you we well, never knew who you well, were and that's what i've got down in my notes we hardly knew ye yeah. it's just like yeah why are we supposed to care for this i mean there isn't much sort of jeopardy for the main characters because of of who they are but then as you say for some reason let's just kidnap sonia for for reasons well i've got to go to the the nether realm Indeed. Um, and we also have some terrible use of just because we have to cram in the um, the sound bites in the flawless victory, yeah, which a- isn't flawless because he gets a few kicks in before dead meters is pounded. Yeah. And there. Yeah, I think that's the issue that we have. There's a lot of let's we need to get this line in here when you get this line in here and finish him is that okay we got that flawless but yep okay yeah. we got that fatality okay fatality. We, i mean i he i does a great job Car- i love oh, Car- carrie Tagawa's. anything and just to obviously we've, we've skimmed over this but obviously if you've seen this film you know who carrie takawa is but he is he's, he's one of the the most recognizable asian actors in in hollywood him and our friend from big trouble in little china james hong james hong uh, but yeah carrie takawa <laughs> ah. is is re- like has a massively pro- prolific he's still in uh, stuff now he's in man in the high castle isn't yeah, he he's one of the best things in that but he was obviously in both him and talisa soto who plays the lovely melina they were both in license to kill together of course but he was in carrie takawa was in he offered right- you his heart <laughs> <laughs> give you a thought um character guy was in rising sun and what else he was, was really hot in the 90s he was really hot in the 90s super ripped um film. well that's the thing I, 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 I forgot about i mean like i thought it was just like he did lots of you know good delivery of dialogue but i've i have this memory of the final fight being quite disappointing but he's actually he can kick ass. I say it. It is the highlight of the film. The Lu Gang uh, fight between Shang Tsung and obviously is, pounding techno helps. Uh, I think with everything, even uh, doing the dishes, apart from putting even, your baby to sleep, I would recommend pounding techno for anything. Definitely nineties. It has to be mid nineties techno. There, it's a good track. Uh, and they do remind Did us I of tell it you a few I, times. Me, me and my friend uh, Tom McKenney went half as on the soundtrack because because obviously we couldn't afford to buy it outright both ourselves. So you put so. it what you put it on CD and then one of you had the tape. Yeah, or we just we just uh, sure, we took, sure. took turns borrowing. Can you bring you've, it? Had, you've had it for two weeks already? Can you bring over the soundtrack? Can you can, you, can you play it down the phone? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I think there's even um, in one of the fights I think oh no it's at the end when when Liu Kang Liu Kang is fighting against um, Shang Tsung and he becomes all of the souls well at least eight of the souls that he's inherited and one of them is the bald guy who's in Big Trouble in Little China he's in oh, uh, yes. Turtles yeah, yeah. He's the guy who plays the, the head uh, of the foot the clan l- lieutenant yeah there's a bit of a foot clan going on in this faceless ninja goons yes throughout, I, who are completely useless and easily easily defeated yes which yeah. weren't in the game which weren't in the game but i suppose you can't just have, have kick in some ass. exactly you've got to just kick lots of hired goons um but yeah i mean i think we we've sort of we've talked around sort of what works what what doesn't i mean yeah they, 
it does have some very clunky dialogue. There are some, there is some really bad exposition, but there's a lot of brevity as well. There's some really good. I mean, we've talked about Christoph Lambert and Lyndon Ashby do get a lot of the good laughs. I think Ashby's perfect because, as I say, I thought when I back in the day, I thought he was a bit cheesy. Now I'm like perfect, perfect for the role, and he does a better job than JCV would have done. And I think he would have brought too much ego and baggage, and God, it would and, be and all about him, and, and that's what he kind of did with Street Fighter. Yeah, no, uh, I can't say it enough. I really enjoyed going back and watching this film. I thoroughly enjoyed it. There was so much fun to be had. And it's well made. It's well put together. The fights are good. Even by the standard... If you look at the other films that were coming out, this is uh, five, four or five years before The Matrix. Yeah. And if you look at all the other kung fu films that are out at that time, the wire work... For me, the main highlights, the uh, the Johnny Cage and Scorpion fights, brilliant. Um, and the Liu Kang, Shang Tsung fights, fight. But also uh, the fight that... As we were talking about before, because of the stunt work, all of Liu Kang's fight scenes oh, really are good. very impressive. Yeah. He's doing mid-air splits, running at walls. Um, yeah, it's good. I think, as you say, it's just... It struggles with the fact that this film needs to be about fights, but as they talk about in the make of it, how did the fights drive the story along? Because that's what yeah. it is. It's like, I think James Cameron talks about it in that, and it, you can't just have... Action for the sake of it. Which is what we joked about with Michael Bay. Even Michael Bay admits that you've, you have action, but it yeah. has to drive the plot along. And I think if Michael yeah. Bay lost his way... If only he'd told that to himself during Bad Boys 2. That's what I'm saying. Later on in his career, he forgot that he just did a lot of action for the sake of action. Um, and I think they strike the right balance with this film is that they've got the the legend of they have to make a story around the end of the game you know yeah well, those I've, stories that we were fed once you completed the game with a certain character yes yeah because that was it all, all the characters and all those classic are games. drawn from those those you know, things but, that were just written by a developer like at three in the morning oh god they've got to have a story at the end you know yeah that was it whenever you finished the game you got their story or, or what what have you but no it's funny because I remember like I was so hyped to, to see this film when it came out I remember because I was 12 at the time when this came out and um our oldest looking mate like Nick Sadler bought because he was so massive he bought the tickets and yeah I remember going up to you know obviously you have to get your tickets ripped or whatever and the guy was like looked at, at most of us so there was like four of us so it was like me Tom, James and, and Nick and uh, he was just like yeah most of you are probably clearly under 15 but you guys have probably been dying to watch this film so fuck it go ahead oh that's <laughs> nice um, and yeah it was such a experience and obviously that opening with, with the flames and the techno and the dragon symbol it's a, it's a strong opening yeah so for that's it it was like for me it was such a an experience watching it. I remember like, you know, it was, it was a great cinema experience. So for me, there's, yeah, a lot of nostalgia. But ironically, I remember years later going to visit you in Edinburgh when you when you lived up there and we watched Enter the Dragon for the first time. Yeah. And I was like, hang on, Mortal Kombat completely rips off this We hadn't film. watched it by that stage. We hadn't watched it. And it was it was one of those weird things. Because it was that thing we did as students. We went back and we revisited the all the classics. And we're like, oh my God, this is just such a lift. Like we watched the French action we watched all of the the bruce lee films we watched a lot of hong kong we watched a lot of like intellectual cinema which was weird we'll never cover that we'll never cover <laughs> that uh but yeah this this is one of the things like this is roper he, he was in it for the money lee no no was it uh who's the guy who's the oh, it was like, williams williams he was in it he looked had no choice. Lee was there to get them out. <laughs> but then we're like, this is just a... more Kombat was just a complete lift of it. But a lot of time had passed. Yeah. And it doesn't do that bad a job of it. 
to be honest. And it's a great story. You I know, mean, the, the one the thing dragon. that Enter the Dragon's missing is Kari Takawa. Oh, God, yeah. He would, he would have been a much better... Is it Mr. Big or something? Mr. Or Mr. Kang or Han. Mr. Han. Mr. Han. Fuck he would have you, been... Mr. Han, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sign of the times. Just got my Williams on. But yeah, I mean, you've got to give this film credit where it's due. It established a legacy. It came from a game and they are still making the games today. Well, that's... Yeah, that's the interesting thing. I mean, I I vaguely... You know, we hammered the game on Mega Drive. I remember, Both games. I remember... Because we, we talked Kombat. about this before. We can't remember Mortal Kombat 3. Well, no, I remember Mortal Kombat 3 was the one that was released on PlayStation. And I remember just playing it and it was such a letdown because, as you say earlier, Tekken came out and we were just like... Or maybe it was overshadowed by Tekken was such a game changer well, well that's it because Tekken was Virtual fight. Fighter was on the Genesis or the Dream or whatever it was it was on the one that we didn't have we didn't have the, the console Dreamcast I was, think yeah Dreamcast. it was the Dreamcast we didn't have it so we couldn't play Virtual Fighter it was like this is an entire new way well, of gaming it, 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 fight it, games 3D fighting the fact that you could go side to side rather than backwards and forwards it just changed it up and obviously the graphics were better and Mortal Kombat still using that 2D video capture just dated and I and, and introduce really crap characters. There was a SWAT guy and stuff like that. Robots, faceless, faceless ninjas robots, yeah. became faceless robots. Um, but they're still doing. Uh, but but you even. I mean, I'm I'm still playing. Uh, as you'll check out if you see on our blog, I, d- I put up a video of all the. But you can move side to side though. It's it's still like the Tekken style. It's not fixed on back and forth. You can dodge and stuff. I think. And it's got interactive. I remember having interactive scenes and stuff you can throw people through floors and stuff yeah i think what's changed is the you know when we were playing street fighter it was very much cartoon it was it was very much 2d yeah Yeah, but it was animated but it was 2d and what mortal kombat has done is that it's still like a 2d perspective but it's you know it's it's the rendering is 3D. Yeah. So the camera can go wherever it wants. It just chooses to keep the classic. So when Mortal Kombat loads up... Well, you've got a fixed fixed camera, Yeah, you've got yeah. a fixed camera and you're looking, but it zooms in and out. And when you do a special move, it goes everywhere and the camera rotates yeah. and it takes you everywhere. And it really does show off that it's got its thing. Whereas when Tekken came out, it was all about showing... Because it was all about the replays. Remember how many yeah. replays we watched? Oh, amazing. And whereas now it's, it, it's cool to do, but... I um to be honest I got more combat uh, 11 and that's what I said to George earlier you got to hand it to him they're still they're no shame you know they since I talked about this because when did the 40 year old virgin come out I think it was like 2005 2006 I want to say 2005 yeah and so it it had some resurgence then it featured in that film they 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 play on it in the film they're having fun with it and it was like okay so they, they, they're still relevant then. And Mortal Kombat 11, I would say, is is with us because they flipped it and they went midway, or sorry, NetherRealm Studios, yeah. part of Warner Brothers. They went and made inju- the Injustice games. So yes. they took the... Well, originally the one- they actually did Mortal Kombat versus DC. That was the first right. iteration. And then they obviously made Injustice. And that's been a big success. I know that's been huge. Massive success. And um, they added a lot. They changed the fighting game genre for good. I mean, they added an RPG element. They they borrowed what is now a massive feature. The uh, let's not talk about micropayments, but this whole thing of having skins and yeah. and pickups and power ups and instead and, of just picking a different shade yeah, of your character, <laughs> the, the player two phenomenon. Mm. Um, yeah, so they they added all of this and they added a lot more depth. And imagine doing finishing moves, but instead of being uh, Liu Gang or Johnny Cage, you are Batman or Super. 
Superman or, uh, you know, in one of these games, you've got Catwoman and her finishing move is to run you over with a motorcycle. And there's some hilarious, and you can, I mean, you should, if you haven't checked them out, just just look on YouTube, all of the finishing moves. There's the creativity and the satisfaction of actually pulling them off is, is brilliant. But I uh, went back to Mortal Kombat 11 and it's, the graphics are amazing and it's, there's some real heft to the moves. It still has the, uh, I'd say the only downside is the thing that we don't have time for. Do you really have time to Absolutely. learn 18 different special moves, combat moves? I mean, we used to, it used to, I think it showed where we were back then. It was like forward, forward, punch, back down, forward, punch. Qu- quarter circle. <laughs> it was very much simplified now with the, the controllers that we use on consoles. There is like, what, 16 buttons? Yeah. Uh, so combinations are into the, into the hundreds of what you can do. And so it's it's much more i think it's much more competitive and as i was saying to you before is that i enjoy the new mortal kombat games because you can jump into a game i say one of the benefits the highlights that i've put up there are me fighting guys that i'm playing online and we didn't have that back then but what we did have was an excuse to get your mates over well that's it that's probably why i don't play fighting games anymore because or fifa or or pairs because you haven't got your mates to play with and it's not the same playing some faceless what is it a bot or is it just some teenager who knows all the moves who's going to kick your ass well that's it it's just like you know that simple thing of you bastard you've pulled out that move and well you could see what they were doing yeah I remember hiding the controller yeah (laughs) Um, so um, well have we got around to that time of the show it's uh, I think it's time to let them in here's Jeff your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could they didn't stop to think if they should Coulda, woulda, shoulda is where George and I, mainly George, um, we talk about actors, directors, people who are considered for the film project, but it just never came off. So who... I'm guessing this was a Chris Lambert vehicle. <laughs> so, so this has got some good ones. So, yes. So, obviously, they've they got they wanted a big name for Raiden, as we've we've talked about. And I think before Christoph Lambert, their Danny Glover's name was in the mix. Apparently, a black Raiden. Black? Why not? Why not? He has that gruff authority. But I think before they got Chris Lambert, they said uh, maybe let's let's go let's set our sights bigger on a different Highlander. They wanted to go for Sean Connery. What? Uh, Juan Ramirez Juan Ramirez why not you know what I like to think happened there is that they called up the casting director and said give me Sean Connery's number give me Sean Connery's number said, look he doesn't want to do this film I'm not giving this we need a sub well I tell you whose number I have got <laughs> got Christoph Lambert got Chris Lambert's number so yeah apparently uh, the, the producer said yeah at the time uh, Connery just wanted to play golf and he wasn't interested in doing a physical role um, it's not that physical I think the only thing Raiden does is tap some guy in the shoulder well that's it Christoph Lambert doesn't do any fighting no and, and yeah, I think that was in his contract I mean I think Sean probably just like Mortal Kombat sounds like a load of shite but a it, game a game <laughs> a fighting game but interestingly Cameron Diaz was originally cast as Sonia Blade. Oh, right. Um, they'd basically, they'd seen her dailies, you know, the sort of the footage recorded on the day of a film from the mask. So they'd seen footage because new... Was that 95? That was 94. So obviously whilst they were filming or preparing for, for Mortal Kombat. That was a big hit. And that was from New Line as well. That was a big film. And they said, you've got... Uh, and But the film hadn't come out at this point. They were still filming The Mask. Uh, but the studio said, you've got to look at this girl. This girl's going to be a star. She's amazing. And they looked at the footage that they filmed from The Mask, the dailies, and they're like, yeah, she's, she's brilliant. So she was cast. 
and it was actually in training she broke her wrist and oh. she couldn't she she couldn't film because she broke her wrist. So they the, that's a shame. That would have been a totally different. Film. So the girl that they got, Bridget Wilson. At Bridget the time, Wilson, Bridget, was Bridget Wilson, Wilson Sampras. No, no, she's no. now Bridget Wilson Sampras. Is that Pete Sampras? It is indeed. But apparently, she was on the original shortlist anyway, and she went off and made Billy Madsen. Adam Sandler. But then, yes, they said basically called her up last minute and like, um, can you get on a flight to Thailand? So. She um, had to, I think they moved all of her fight scenes towards the end of production so she could train up for it. Okay. Um, but yeah, as you say, it, I mean, it may have been a very different career path for, for Cameron Diaz. Who knows? Yeah. And she's convincing uh, the girl who plays Sonia. Um, I, I would say it was quite some convincing fights, even with Hammy. She's not the best actress, let's be honest. But um, there was some delivery of lines that were. But yeah. Oh, and apparently. Um, Jason Scott Lee, who played Bruce Lee in the the Dragon story, also auditioned for Lu Gang. But didn't get it. But didn't get it because he didn't have as amazing hair as Robin Shu, obviously. Didn't have Lu Kang's bangs. Liu or Lu Kang's pecs. His pecs, good pecs. Those are big pecs. Not a lot of body fat. <laughs> anyway, should we move on to uh, special, really impressive special male specimen? <laughs> okay, special features which we're Can calling. I keep talk about. Right, shut up. <laughs> um, so we're now going to do our, our new feature, which is special features, which is kind of sort of an amalgamation of suspicious spin-offs, but also that's too hard to say. Deleted so. scenes we'd like to see. Yeah, so like a DVD extra. Yeah. So have you have you got anything? I want to do, uh, yes, there is one thing that I thought of when watching this film. So George and I, during our student years, George had this great uh, horror classic, Jason X. Uh, great film. And one of the features on that is what I'd like to see on that. So on the Jason X DVD, there was a skip to a death scene. A brilliant feature. And I think that's what this, this, this is missing, a skip to a fight scene, uh, because this film is based on a lot of fights and you would miss out on a lot of the exposition. And I'm not sure you would miss what's going on, but no. Uh, what I, I, I like it. I think it works. Yeah, I think, so I'd like to see a skip to a fight scene. Uh, but in terms of special features or where would this go is maybe a to go back to its roots. So the first Mortal Kombat was they filmed actors pulling off the moves and that's what the game was. The game was you photo yeah. image mapping. And where it is today is they're trying to, obviously the graphics have caught up and they're trying to do photorealistic graphics. Yeah. What I would what I think's missing is to go back to its roots. So actually have filmed stuff that you could pull off as a game. So to explain more clearly what I'm talking about, when you play the Mortal Kombat games, you are manipulating a computer generated yeah. image. What I'd like to see is something more, maybe you could do something more based on something that's actually filmed. Oh, right. Okay. So sort of more realistic backgrounds and stuff and sort of more... If you look at where this game started with where they actually filmed, they filmed actors pulling off the moves yeah. and then dropped those into the game. Yeah. And now they've dropped all that and they're just recreating it using computer graphics. Yeah. I think it would be interesting to to maybe try and do something to go back to that. Okay. I don't know how. 
Well, um, mine is is very basic. And again, it's more sort of like my, my previous suggestions. It's more of a sketch show, but it's basically just Shang Tsung popping up in... Sleazy in, Shang? No, no, not Sleazy Shang. Just him popping up and ruining everyday situations. So like, uh, say you're in uh, the supermarket and you, you just go for a loaf of bread and he just pops up, that loaf of bread is mine. <laughs> and just sobs and pops away again. Or he's working at the till. You are next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just want him in every day. I just love... love of his menacingness is uh, just more, the way he spits his lines more carry to gower more carry please um but let's let's talk about um the real sort of spin-offs and features because one thing i've realized doing research on this there's a lot of mortal Kombat out there there's a lot of multi you know i remember there being a cartoon but we were talking in preacher off 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 mic you were telling me about there's a lot yeah, so so uh, you know, Larry Kasanoff wasn't wasn't lying when he said he wanted to make a, a phenomenon. He wasn't satisfied with just making two movies. Well, that's the thing. There was there was a stage show apparently. What? Yeah, I think it just maybe it was just in America, but there was a um, that could have been quite good. There was an animated. So there was the. Um, the quick to get out uh, sequel, um, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which you haven't seen. Um, haven't, but it, I think I have. I think uh, you've I can't dod- remember it. You've dodged a bullet because it's awful. I remember watching it on video, and I think we turned it off because it was so bad. They've, I think re- they've recast a lot of people. The effects budget has been slashed. It makes no sense. It's, they've got some of the originals. It kind of. I think. I, I think. Rem- I think Robin Shu and Talisa Soto are back, and everyone else is either killed off or recast. And they. They've, re- they've recast Raiden. <laughs> is that Raiden? And, yes, and halfway through, Raiden just gets like a haircut and changes suit, and he's like, "Raiden, why? What's with the different look?" And he's like, "Fancy to change." And you're like, "What? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense." But anyway, so apparently um, Paul W.S. Anderson was asked uh, to return for the sequel, but he fancied a change. And he went on to do his, arguably his finest work, Event Horizon. Again, a film we might might cover at some point. Definitely one of my favorite horrors. And we don't like a lot of horrors. We don't like a lot of horrors. But we do love sci-fi. And it's probably, if you talk about sci-fi and horror, it's got to be top three. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's up a, there with Alien. I think you'd put Alien at number one. Thing. The Thing, yeah. Uh, in space let's get really niche let's get really niche so the what? best sci-fi skydiving heist movies <laughs> starring Wesley Snipes or Charlie Sheen <laughs> released <laughs> in the mid 90s <laughs> um so yeah, W.S. Anderson dodged a bullet there. However, he wishes he stayed on to shepherd the franchise. Uh, much, Missed opportunity. Much like he did, because he would go on to, as well as giving us, uh, love him or hate him, the uh, alien first Alien versus Predator film. I can do anything. I've done Alien versus Predator. What could I've, go I've, wrong? I've played the video game. It's fine. He also gave us the entire Resident Evil film series. How many are there? I think there's five or six. I think I've only seen one of them. And he's now, uh, as a result, I think he keeps making them to keep his wife in work because his wife is Mila Jovovich. I was going to say... It must have been a very strange place to be. So she's just done Fifth, fifth Element was 95 as well? 97. Or, 97. Way off. Uh, but so, but she was hot property and he could do no wrong. 
you know, mm. he'd done this and and then kind of... Prob- so, so Event Horizon was 97. Yeah. Uh, and what then I, th- I think AVP was when I was out at uni. So I think that was... 2002 time yeah. and then I think I can't remember what came first Resident, I think Resident Evil was before AVP but yeah there's been uh, there was Mortal Kombat Legacy which is a web series then they re sort of and I think there was Mortal Kombat Conquest as well which was a TV that series that sounds familiar Con- Conquest probably with a K definitely with a K and there's there's actually a new you know, we talked about that partnership with NetherRealm Studios NetherRealm yeah. with, uh, with Warner Brothers so the Warner Brothers the guys who have been doing lots of um, DC animated stuff and we said there's that link with Injustice there's a new Mortal Kombat animated film I think uh, uh, all based around Scorpion that's due to come out this summer uh, Scorpion's Revenge very original title he has become the kind of focal point I think it's because he's the most memorable character maybe but there's also a new Mortal Kombat film on the way which is cool. produced by uh, James Wan and he is being involved with all the sort of like ins- X-Men no James Wan is behind the Insidious franchise and I think he did Aquaman which made a billion yeah. so he's he's quite hot property but he's for Warner for, for Warner um, and it appears to be a bit of a low budget un, a low budget unknown affair sort of unknown cast it's fil- it's already been filmed but it's not coming out till next January can I think. we not have a Deadpool version like an 18 bloody what, brutal I th- what, I th- vicious I think it is going to be but with his involvement I because want limbs I want fatality George. well interestingly interestingly enough I mean I said there's is a pretty much an unknown cast but it's got Joe Taslim who is the captain in the raid and he's also in the night comes for us. So he's yes, yeah. He's he's a very good martial artist, and uh, so he's playing. Oh, that's what we need. We need a, ra- a raid version of Mortal Kombat. So that's what I'm kind of hoping. If he's in it, it's going to have some decent brutal fighting. Yeah. Um. So he's playing really gory. So he's playing Sub Zero, and In Chen Han is playing Shang Tsung. You wouldn't know who he is, but if I say he's the banker guy in Dark Knight, you know, I go to Hong Kong. I've got all your money. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, know. Who he's, you mean, yeah. he's he's playing Shang Tsung. Why not? Yeah. Why not get Carrie to go back? I mean, he's still he's still, still acting, still, still working, still, still, still good, working. Yeah. So yes, the the franchise continues with a K, um, <laughs> and we'll probably keep on watching it. You're still playing it, yeah. Um, we'll, and we should, to, to, in terms of shameless ca- cash grab, uh, MK11. I haven't bought it because I'm waiting for it to come down in price. But just before Terminator Dark Fate came out, they released a, a DL- skin, isn't it? A DLC add-on. Which included the T eight hundred, very much real. It just basically Arnie and you can get Joker, the, yeah, Joker, Nighthawk, and three other baddies that you I'm don't sure really. Is Freddy Krueger in one of them? Sorry, Krueger's in it. Basically, you get it for Joker and you get Joker and. But I'm sure I saw in one of the new, the latest Mortal Kombat's they've actually added in a Shang Tsung skin that is Kari Tagawa. No, it is. That's yeah. That's you get him as well. Yeah. So it's based on him. I'm um, downloading it now. Yeah. So I mean, that's the thing. But it's like Liu Kang's bangs. Is it is it enough to pay? Because at the moment, I think at the time of recording, it's thirty nine nine for that add on, which is basically. 
graphics that you're paying for not really anything new so I'm going to hold I'm going to wait till it's free (laughs) or it's a couple of quid because it will game of the year edition yeah exactly it'll it'll come down Um, but yeah I can't say enough that I think probably what I'm missing in my life is somebody who really wants to play it and I have got a mate who comes over Guillaume he loves his fighting games he's like have you got any good two players he still harks back to the you know the couch the couch war and yeah you know mash the buttons sit back that's, that's what it's all about that's baby what, well no it's not George <laughs> <laughs> no, no, let me tell you something. no it isn't about that it's anymore about doing a 60 move combo yeah online with some with a bot yeah um, that was a really good game would you like play <laughs> what is my purpose I am a robot yeah so, um, so so in conclusion I think we both had a lot of fun revisiting yeah, this um, surprised I think I didn't give this I didn't categorize this film in my memory correctly because I was impressed I enjoyed I enjoyed it when I was young we flocked to the cinema to see it and I still enjoy it today and uh, yeah right it's it's a good film it's, it's not amazing it's yeah it's it's, 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 a, it's for children it's, it's very much kids. a product of its time it's, but it's good but it's it's a lot of fun and if, I think if you probably, like your martial arts and your your action but as I was explaining to George for us it's good I think there's a lot of people if you're slightly younger than us you'll think is you probably thought it was even better because you probably watched it when you shouldn't have done and there's probably some of you that have outgrown it and think it's terrible but oh no uh, I'd, I'd say it's it's a good film. It's a good film. It's well, apparently it's it's the I think as it currently stands, it's the fifth most uh, successful video game adaptation. So, do you want to guess what the other ones are? Yeah, but that's because probably more people went to see what's her face the 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 woman who ruins men. What's she called? Angelina Jolie. Lee. Yes, correct. So probably more people went to see Tomb Raider because it's Angelina Jolie. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you're going to get any of the other ones. So I'll t- uh, no, uh-huh. Assassin's Creed will have made more money. Nope. Uh, Warcraft. Nope. Uh, they, they were both big flops, actually. The Prince of Persia movie. Oh, with Jake Gyllenhaal, which I, I still haven't seen. seen. I've it's heard, meant I've, to be okay. Uh, I haven't really heard anyone sort of strongly endorse it. Um, the Angry Birds movie. Technically, it's a game, I suppose. Or is it? Or is it an app? It's a game. Um, but that made money. Uh, and Pokemon. But um, again, I think that's just got a very big audience. No, we're just out of touch. Yeah, out of touch. You're out of time. <laughs> Mortal Kombat! <laughs> get back. What are you doing? Just Sorry. get back to get, So, um, more tech yeah, now. I mean, there's nothing else to say. It's a short episode. It's a video game. Uh, we uh, love the video finish. game when we were younger. We went and saw this film. We've gone back. We've revisited. And it's okay. It's a recommendation. It's fine. It's <laughs> fine. So, that was 995. That was Mortal Kombat. Uh, George, what are we doing next? Well, it seems like our time machine is broken because we are staying in 1995. George is just stuck in a mini. Um, Disc I'm reading. just rinsing 1995, but for good reason, because to shamelessly cash in for the return of 007, of Mr. James Bond, with No Time to Die, we are going to go back 25 years to the first iteration of Mr. Pierce Brosnan in GoldenEye. One of my favourite uh, James Bond films, and probably a lot linked with it being another reset a new actor uh, but yeah very much looking forward to doing that so yes that, that'll be next uh, we'll be doing Golden Eye Bronholm yeah looking forward and to- no doubt we'll be talking about the game as well that we spent a lot of time playing yeah another video game tie-in and yeah. another link back to Bad Boys because it's got the bad uh, Jackie oh Jackie Cario yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's back okay so yeah look forward to that so yeah thanks for listening you can catch us on all the channels we're obviously 
at retroramble.blog. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Inst- any other new Instagram. platforms that have come out since we last recorded? I, we TikTok. Haven't, and we're not on TikTok yet. Retro Ramble isn't on Letterboxd, which is a, f- a film review platform if you use that, but I am. Uh, so George McGee is is on, uh, is, I is on Letterboxd. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I do. Would you I, like some pronouns? <laughs> <laughs> but I have compiled a list of Retro Ramble films on uh, Letterboxd as well. So there's some reviews there. Obviously, there's more in-depth reviews on the website. Uh, That needs a bit of an update. But if you like what you hear, please share, please recommend, please leave us a review. Uh, Please tell a friend, tell tell a pen pal. And if you don't like what you hear, give me a call. (laughs) (laughs) Our lines are always open. Always open. Okay, so uh, that's it for this episode. I've been Charlie McGee. I've been George McGee. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.